Thank you. Oh, man, thank you, guys. You can be seated in this place today. And, uh, man, what an honor it is to be here at this prestigious institution. I am thankful and honored uh, to be in the room. My name is Peter Reeves. I come all the way uh, from Wakanda. I'm just kidding. From Orlando. Uh from Orlando. And uh, what a joy it is to be here. Some of you are like, I almost believed him. Um, I'm so thankful just for, for a few people in this room today. Um, this is my first, actually my second time to North Central. Uh, I came one time, I, as I thought, considered coming here as a student. Uh, I came with my now wife. She was my girlfriend at the time. And our parents let us travel together. And uh, we traveled together to come here to the university where we had friends that we were going to stay with and, and family. And uh, I remember getting off of the light rail and it said, welcome to Minneapolis. It's negative one degrees. I was like, this is not where God has called us. I know for a fact, I don't care how amazing North Central is, we are not going. I want to be a ram, but too late. I'm not coming. Negative one? Mm-mm. Negative one, and it was done. I knew I was not coming here, but uh, I have heard of the tremendous things that God has done here. Super thankful for the leadership of this place. Come on, can we just put our hands together? Uh, come on, for your auspicious president and the faculty and my friend Josh Edmond and Jeff Grinnell. Come on, these are amazing people. Clap. Come on. And uh, the loudest voice in my life is in the room today, man. Shout out to Pastor Terry Parkman. He's a great man. Super thankful for his leadership and his life. But anyway, I, wanna, I got a, a few moments today, and I plan to use every single one of them. A couple things you need to know about me. I already told you I'm from Orlando, Florida. I have one wife. Hello, you got to be specific. It's 2023, okay? I have one wife, okay? Two babies as a result of our passion. They are both light-skinned. Pray for me, okay? Uh, and then uh, last thing you need to know is I'm an evangelist. This is what I do. I feel so called to preach the gospel around the world, leading people to Jesus. And then on top of that, me and my wife run a nonprofit called Reeves Initiative that sends foster and adopted kids on spiritual transformation trips, introducing them to the call of God on their life. So that's what we're doing right now. And uh, what an honor and a privilege it is to be here today. Matthew chapter 9, uh, verse 35 through 38. I want to get right into it today. And while you're turning there, I want to tell you, there's an image uh, concerning ministry that I have never been able to shake from my mind uh, from since I was a boy. Uh, I was at an event in Philadelphia, which is where I grew up. So I'm like, oh my gosh, West Philadelphia, born and raised. Yeah, don't ever go there. That's how you get robbed. Okay. Uh, so I, I grew up in Philadelphia and I remember being at an event where there were several people, there were thousands of people and uh, a pastor from our community uh, that I knew he got up to preach the gospel. He preached the gospel and about a thousand people came forward to receive Christ. Now, let me say it like this. Uh, many of, not many of us, I mean, still to this day have ever been in a room or been the person leading in a room where a thousand people have come to Christ in one sitting. So he prayed and he led all these people to the Lord. And then immediately after, at the end of the event, they had a foot washing uh, ceremony thing, which was like really a big deal. Like in the early 2000s, everybody was washing everybody's feet. I was like, mm -mm, I don't like that. You know, whatever. Um, Somebody like, I love feet. You're weird. Um, and so uh, they were doing like a foot washing ceremony at the end of the event. And that same pastor who was on the stage wash or leading people to Christ, led a thousand people to the Lord was in the, uh, like in the stands washing people's feet. And I remember saying to the Lord innocently out of like my nine, 10 year old heart, Lord, one day I want that, him preaching on the stage, but I'm, I'm not sure about that. And the Lord said, one of, this is what the Lord spoke to me when I was about nine or 10 years old. The most dangerous thing in the world is to have that gift without that heart. 
One of the most dangerous things in the world, son, is to want to be the person who could wield the mic but not use your hands to wash the feet of the ones whom Jesus loves. That's a dangerous perspective, and it's one I haven't been able to shake from my mind, and it helps shape this message I'm about to share with you today. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. If you're not there already, that's on you. Jesus traveled through all the towns and the villages of that area, teaching in synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. Friends, the message of the gospel is good news today. It is the message that everyone in every space, in, any, in every crevice, on every planet needs. It's necessary. It is the good news. I imagine today I'm probably talking to some people who I presume will at one day stand on stages and preach the gospel in different spheres or of different contexts. But let me tell you today, your opinions are important. Your experiences, man, they are wonderful. But we need a message from the good news. We need a word of God for such a time as this. I can tell you today... What you're about to say or what you might consider something creative or good to put together, I'm telling you, it's necessary, but we need the good news. And Jesus traveled through the area teaching in synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed all kinds of diseases and illnesses. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is what makes it difficult for many Christian leaders to lead is they forget at one point they were confused and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great. Very familiar text today. The harvest is great, but the workers, the, the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. That's the good news today. He is in fact in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. March chapter, uh, I'm sorry, March 5th, 2003, right, just a few months ago, uh, there was a weird little rapper that stepped on the stage of Rolling Loud. His name was Lil Uzi Vert, okay? And Lil Uzi Vert would sing a song that would make, literally, it translated, he would sing a song that I'll tell you the name of it in just a second, but it would translate it to over 900,000 people Googling how to follow Satan. The song is called Make a City Girl Believe in Satan, right? So he sings a song, by the way, the song is trash just let me let you know that right up front the song is garbage okay he sings this song and it, it it moves people to go and search how do i follow satan and as i begin to think and saw the headlines of that coming in on every major news platform i thought to myself we live in a world that is not afraid to promote demonic activity i mean i remember like back in the day right like if people were doing weird things with satan or they were like they believed in satan or they were i don't know whatever they would hide it and it would be like a secret and no one would really know about it but we live in days where the enemy is in an all-public attack, it's an all-out assault, and in the middle of that kind of culture, I hear the Lord saying this, workers, not, and that's the title of my sermon, workers, not. You're like, not what? Not superstars. Workers, not idols or icons. Workers, not celebrities today. He's looking desperately for some workers. The scriptures say the eyes of the Lord roam to and from the earth, looking for someone to show himself great through. Who will it be? Workers. People who consider themselves workers of the kingdom. Now, I want to let you know today I'm a dreamer, okay? I dream, like to consider myself the meek mill of the Christian world, hello? Okay, I'm a dreamer, all right? I love to dream, and, and the reason I dream so often is because at one point, dreams is all I had. Like, I remember my, my mom and my dad arguing and fighting in our home, and I would dream of peace. 
I remember going out with my mom, right, going out with our family to a restaurant and ordering the cheapest thing on the menu. Why? And I would dream, though, in those moments of being able to order anything I wanted. I would call my dad and expect for him to call me back, answer me, talk to me of any sort. And I would say, Dad, pick up the phone. And I would dream of he speaking courage over my life. Dreaming is all I had at one point. My imagination was running wild all throughout my childhood. And so when I read the scriptures, I can't help but uh, continue to imagine and dream and think about the things that are coming as a result of the scripture. And as I read Matthew chapter 9, I began to imagine, imagine a group of Christians unencumbered with accommodations. Imagine a group of young Christians unencumbered with accommodations. Imagine a group of young Christians convinced of the power of God. Imagine a group of young Christians filled with compassion for the least of these and the worst of these. I just began to dream about it. What, would, what could and what would God do with a group of young Christians like that? I think that he would give them miracles like he gave Smith Wigglesworth. I think that he would whisper to them the secrets of heaven like he did to Dr. Ravenhill. I think he would give them the nations like he gave Billy Graham. Oh, what could God do with a group of Christians like that? Now, I don't do this often, but I had to do it today. My message is in response to a conversation that I had with a young Bible college student. Okay, so I'm talking to this guy. He's like, Pastor Peter, I enjoy uh, your teaching. I enjoy the way you live your life, what you're doing. I want to do what you do. And I said, well... Why? Why do you want to do what I do? I had confidence in this young man. I thought he was going to say, because I love the gospel. Because I know that people need to come to Christ. Because I'm expecting a move of God. But he was like, can I just be honest with you? I said, sure, son, let's do it. He said, I've never flown first class before. And I see preachers posting all the time about first class. I said, you've been listening to too much Jack Harlow. He said, I want to fly first class, Pastor Peter. I can't wait for my ministry to take off so I can take off. I was like, okay, little rapper right there. I see what you did. Double entendre. He was being serious, though. He said, Pastor Peter, I cannot wait. I'm tired of working minimum wage. I work on campus. Hello. He said, I'm tired. I want a big check. He said, that's why I want to do what you do. That's just me being honest. He could, you can judge me if you want. I'm just being honest. I said, you want a big check? You going into the wrong business, cuz. It ain't no checks like that over here. You might get a check in your spirit. Hello, somebody. Thank you, God. <laughs> but you're in the wrong business, buddy. And then this man said this, and you can't even make this up. He said, Pastor Peter, he said, I need to get married before I go into ministry too because I don't have to want to worry about the thoughts. And I thought he said thoughts. I was like, what kind of thoughts? He said, no, I said thoughts. And I was like, what? What is wrong with you, son? He said, this is honestly why I want to go into the ministry. And it's funny today. It's funny today, but it's so far from the heart of Jesus. And in ministry, if you're not careful, if you're not tending to the fire of your heart on a daily basis, if you're not stepping into spiritual atmospheres and not allowing yourself to be there casually, what you laugh at could potentially become your own heart in just a few years. Workers, not celebrities, not superstars, not icons. And even me in ministry, the Lord had to check me just a few weeks ago. Maybe this is too vulnerable for North Central University. But I was speaking at an engagement, and they did not take good care of me. And I, I was there, and I was kind of just figuring all the things out, and I was uncomfortable in the space that I was staying. You know you're uncomfortable. I text my wife, like, look up hotels in the area. I'm about to slide out, and then I'll come back and act like I stayed here because I am uncomfortable. Now, my wife is a woman of God. Come on, fellas, find you a woman of God. Because she was like, I'm not talking to you about this. You're ridiculous. You're supposed to be there preaching the gospel. 
That's what she said to me. You're like, was that five years ago? No, that was a couple weeks ago. Hello, somebody. And she said, Peter, she said, I'll talk to you about this a little later. Right? So I'm there and I'm thinking to myself, like, God, they didn't honor me. They didn't do any of the things that I would do for guest speakers that I would have in. It doesn't even feel like they want me here. God, why won't they honor me? And the Lord spoke to me and said, when are you going to honor me? Like, like, when did this become about you? When did this become about you preaching or you standing on a stage? When did this become about you doing the things you're supposed to do or making people laugh or trying to get people to be inspired by the gospel? This is about me. And the reason you feel the way you do today is because you've made it all about you. Workers, baby. He's looking for workers. Workers, those who will assign themselves the role of servant. Those who will allow themselves. Oh, come on. We know it today. We've sang it before. We're still singing it today. We're excited about it. Lord, use me. Until he uses us, then we get mad. You want to be used by God until someone uses you, and then you're like, he's not that good, is he? No, friends, he's still faithful. He's still just. He's still mighty. He's still kind. And this is all about him. Workers. Workers. I begin to dream and imagine. And every time I read the scriptures, I I read it a couple times through. The first time I read it, to hear the heart of the author. Second time I read it is to find Jesus in the story. The third time I read it, I begin to believe for something because I don't want to read those scriptures without believing God for something. So let me tell you what I'm believing for as I read Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to be done in just a few moments here. Number one, I'm believing for Christians who will step into any location. I'm just believing for that today. Christians who will step into any location. Here's what it says about Jesus. He traveled through all the towns and the villages of that area. Now, this is Jesus we're talking about. I'm like, if teleportation were ever an option, it's right now, right? Like, this is Jesus. He's traveling to and fro the villages. And the reason I I begin to believe and pray for this is because I was at a church planting conference, not our fellowship, a different denomination, and I was there, and I heard one of the speakers. He was very eloquent. I mean, the words he put together were prolific, unbelievable. And he said this statement. He said, plant in a major city, and if people from surrounding towns want Jesus, they'll come to you. And that sounds good, except it's not the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is he will inconvenience himself to go where nobody else wants to go. Tell me why Jesus walks miles out of the way. Almost some scholars are arguing between 20 to 50 miles out of the way to talk to one woman at one well. Tell me why this God who has over 500 different prophecies about him will walk in a different direction so he can walk past a tree just to give a word to that tree. This is a God that has a pace that you and I don't understand. I'm looking for Christians that will be located in any area. What do you mean plant in a major metropolitan city so they will come to you? No, you go to them. That's the heart of the gospel. Maybe it's why we're still talking about moves of God from the past and not moves of God right now because we won't go. Christians who will step into any location. I was inspired by a pastor that I met this year preaching in Eunice, Louisiana. His name is Pastor Chris Fry. Eight. I'm sorry, 3,000 people in their town, 850 people go to their church. They're reaching their community. For context, that would be like a, a church, a bigger church in the city having almost 50 to 100,000 people. I mean, they are reaching their city. And Pastor Chris said this to me. He said, we never saw ourselves here, but this is where Jesus called us. Woo, we never saw ourselves here. 
We never thought to ourselves the dream on our life is to plant in Eunice, Louisiana, but this is where he called us. I'm praying for more Christians like Pastor Chris Fry who said, this is not where I want to be. And honestly, this call of God is a little inconvenient, but let me step into what God has called me to because it's not about the city. It's not about the clout. It's about what he's calling me to. I wish some Christians would step into any location the Lord called them to. Number two, I'm believing for Christians that will flow in the supernatural. Your lights don't cast out demons. Your sets don't move people to the heart of God. They are phenomenal tools, but they cannot do what the scripture said Jesus did. Here he was. Let me read it to you again, just in case you remember. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Every kind. Every kind of disease and illness from the top of the list to the bottom of the list. And here's what people say all the time. Ooh, I hear it so often. But it just seems so weird. Friends, you, what do you mean it seems so weird in a world filled with good vibes, energy, good vibes and energy? What do you mean you're afraid to talk about the Holy Ghost in a world where the world is uncumbered and totally encapsulated by the craziness of this world? Why would you be afraid? Let me tell you a story I often tell. At one point, you know, I'm believing for this today because at one point I was the Christian who had the words without any of the power. I'll never forget it. Um, tell this story often. I was a freshman in, in uh, high school. Got invited to my first high school party. I said, what? awaits oh, me. Twister, Connect Four, Uno? What are we going to do? I showed up there and to no surprise, that was not what they were doing. They were doing this thing called grinding. And they were, some of you were like, ew, okay, I'm just joking. Okay, but they were really, they were dancing, and they were drinking, and they were doing drugs. And I showed up there, and I knew for a fact I wasn't supposed to be there. Here's why. I come from an African Pentecostal home, okay? Like, like my mom's got that sixth sense. She's like, what is going on? Where's my son? Right? Like that, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, she called me as I got there. She's like, is everything okay? I was like, uh, yes. She's like, why do I think you are lying to me if you are lying? I will kill you. You know, like that. Like that is. It's <laughs> pretty much it. Somebody like he's exaggerating. Mm -mm, mm -mm. And I'm at this party, and my friend, um, my friend pulls out a. He said something weird to me, and he was already a weird guy. But he said something really weird. He's like, man. He goes, this party's kind of beat. I'm like, yeah. He's like, let's go talk to my grandma. I was like, this is not an environment for your grandmother. You know what I mean? Like, it's a high school party. Like, why is your grandma up this late? It's like way past her bedtime, you know? And he said, P, let's go talk to my grandma. I said, wait a minute. I thought your grandma died. He said, she did. I said, oh, God. My man, we went down in his basement. He pulled out a Ouija board, okay? I know. I'm with you on that. I don't mess with nothing Ouija. Squeegee, never bought one. Uh, Mario and Luigi, I don't mess with it. I don't play with none of that stuff. None of it. I'm like, mm-mm. My man pulled out the board, and people started gathering around him. Now, I'll be honest with you. I, I recognized in this moment um, of demonic activity that I did not have the presence of the Holy Spirit available in me to do something about this moment. You remember in the scriptures where it says Peter and John were walking, they see that layman, and Peter says, what I have I give to you? I recognized that I was the type of Christian that didn't have anything to give to anyone. Is that too, is that too vulnerable for I know, you're like, I just got out of my homiletics class. I will graduate at the top of my class with a biblical studies degree and a minor in every other degree in this universe. I understand. 
But if you don't have the spirit of the living God burning on the inside of you, you could have more degrees than a thermometer. You ain't moving nobody. I'm trying to tell you, I was in the room as a Christian with no power. And they began to call on his grandma, Granny. And I was like, mm-mm. Grandma. Mm-mm. And I was so, I knew the situation was uncomfortable, but I had no power, so I didn't know what to do. I just started circling them like duck, duck, goose, just circling, circling them. And I didn't know how to pray for real, right? Because I was so busy listening to my mom. Me and my mom would pray. I would listen to her pray instead of praying, so I didn't know how to pray. So I would just walk around. That's the truth for some of y'all. Y'all come to chapel. You hear people pray. You don't actually pray. And then you wonder why you're dealing with the demons you're dealing with in your dorm room. And you just walk around, you know. I'm walking around them. I don't know what to say, so I just start quoting books of the Bible. I was like, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh-huh. Zephaniah revelations, numbers in Deuteronomy, right? Like I was just, woo! My friend Ed was like, Peter, you're being weird. He said, Pete, you're being so weird. Why are you acting so weird? I said, you are trying to talk to your dead grandma and you calling me weird? I said, this party is whack. I'm leaving this party. He said, leave the party because we don't want you here. You're so weird. You're so weird with all that Christian stuff, with all that prayer stuff. I said, give me my twister. I took my twister. I said, I'll go play Twister with my African mama, you know, right hand on yellow, right? Like, I'll do it. So I grabbed my Twister. I walked out of that room, and I began to think to myself, maybe, maybe I am weird. Maybe I am weird because I believe in the power of the Spirit. I made a vow to myself that day that I would never walk into another space without being full of the Holy Ghost. And then the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, no, no, you're not weird. What's weird is that they need alcohol to have a good time. What's weird is that they need demonic activity to fill their soul. You're not weird. What's weird is that they're standing in spaces that they have no idea what to do, but the presence of God is in you. Son, you know what to do. Bro, I'm praying for Christians that know how to flow in the power of the Holy Spirit. That aren't intimidated by the activity happening around them, the Bible says the battle is not against flesh and blood. You have blocked everyone you dislike on Instagram and have not made one step in the kingdom of God. It's not against these people. It's against spiritual things. Principalities in an unseen world. I'm praying for Christians that know how to flow with the supernatural. What a time when Jesus said the harvest is ready. When everyone is participating in the weirdest of activity and grown men are dressing up in devil costumes and performing at the Grammys. And everybody and their mama knows their horoscope for this life and the next life. Energies and vibe. I just think the energy is really good. (laughs) What you feel right now is called the Holy Spirit. It is the power of God and he is with us. How could we be afraid to speak about this? How could we be afraid to walk in this power? I mean, I love the scriptures. I think they're powerful. I built my life on them and will continue to do so. But I'm tired of re- about reading about things that the Lord called me to do. Some of you are like, well, I didn't read it, so then I couldn't want to do it. And that's on you too. You should probably read your Bible. But I don't just want to read about things that the Lord has given me Spirit to do. Christians that flow in the supernatural. Christians that flow in the supernatural. I got three minutes. I'm going to use every single one. I was at a Walgreens. It's my favorite show, store. I don't know why. It's for that piece at Walgreens. 
especially after Valentine's Day, Halloween, half off candy. And all the ladies that don't have a boyfriend said, amen. <laughs> like, I buy myself candy. I'm a self-sufficient woman. Yes, you are, queen. Do you? And the Lord speaks to me. There's this guy there. He's huge. Big dude. Right? Like, like if we're talking candy bars, he's a king size. I'm like a mini Kit Kat. You know, like, he's a big dude. I'm a tall 5'7", but, you know, anyway. So I... He has a boot on his foot, and the Lord starts speaking to me. I'm in the aisle trying to get a Red Bull, uh, blueberry. Hello, somebody. And uh, somebody felt God. That's, wow, thank you, son. <laughs> and uh, the Lord says, pray for his foot. Oh, my God, th- you got, th- this is not okay. I don't like feet, and I don't know this guy. He looks like he could eat me, let alone, like, I'm going to stop him and say, yeah, let me pray for you, bro. I know you're in this aisle shopping for whatever you need, but let me pray. So I'm like, you know what, whatever. This, this might be a story, you know? And as a, as a pastor and as a preacher, you take every opportunity to use whatever story you can. You know what I mean? Like, that's why as an evangelist, I made it a, a goal to become part of a local church or else I'll start telling airport stories. I was in the airport and I put my hand under the dryer and it came out by itself and I felt the Holy Ghost and, and I'm telling somebody in this room, stop it. We don't want to hear your airport stories, bro. Right? So I'm like, all right, I got to pray. So I, I go to pray for this dude and uh, I'm like, yo, my man. He's like, what? Like, why is your voice so deep? You know, like, I'm like, can I pray for you? He's like, huh? I was like, I'll buy all the stuff in your cart if you let me pray for you. He was like, yo, that's mad weird, cuz. And I was like, yeah, but I just feel like God's asking me to pray for your foot. So I begin to, begin to pray, you know? And this is, like, like he was the kind of dude, and I'm not judging anybody. Actually, I did judge him. I'm not even going to lie about that. Because he had, like, a neck tat. And, like, I was like, is that a teardrop tattoo? Mm -mm, I'll pray with my eyes open. You pray for some people, you're like, "Mm mm-mm. I trust God. I'm not closing my eyes. Mm Mm-mm. I said, God, I looked him right to his eyes. In the name of Jesus. We were just, you know what I mean? Scar Simba moment. I was down here. He was up there, full eyes, locked in. Prayed for him. I said, how does your foot feel? He said, the same. Uh Uh-oh. Let me pray again. I prayed again. Nothing. I prayed again. Nothing. He said, bro, what are you trying to do? I said, I thought you were going to get healed. He said, what? And I was like, let me pay for your stuff. He's like, nah, man, it's all good. You, you're freaking me out. I'll pay for my own stuff. And he walked away. He walked away having to pay for his own stuff and not getting healed. And you know what that did to me? It killed my spiritual confidence. Dude, it shook me in a way. I'm like, God, you told me to pray for him, and then you don't back me up? That's like going into a fight with a friend. They're like, yeah, Pete, I got your back. I'm like, yeah. Oh, and they're gone. Where were you, Jesus. This was a me and you thing, bro. Where, where are we going? Nothing happened. A couple weeks later, I'm in Wisconsin. I saw President Hagen there. Josh was there. We were speaking together at that event. And I'm preaching, and now I'm in a room full of thousands of students. And the Holy Spirit said, pray again for people to get healed. I said, you want me to give an altar call for people to get healed when I just prayed for someone at my favorite store, Walgreens? I thought I had favor there. And they didn't get healed? Can I tell you, friends? I'm praying for Christians who will flow in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus never asked us to get results. He asked us to pray. So I stood in that moment again with a little less confidence. I said, if you want to be healed, go, come up. Several young people came up and got healed. Touched by the power of God. Holy Spirit flowing throughout the room. And the Lord spoke to me and said, 
Your responsibility is to do what I ask you when I ask you. You're like, man, that's it. That's such a simple point today. Yeah, it's the only point we need to see the power of God flow. Young people who will say, God, I know you do miracles and I want to see them today. And I'll keep trying until you do something. Oh, what happens, friends, when we begin to just try and flow in the supernatural? One of my favorite pastors, he says like this, I prayed for 500 people before I saw one person get healed. It's okay. Okay, lastly today, I'm way over time, but let me just give you this last point today. Christians who don't need the credit, that's what I'm believing for. Jesus said, so pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. That's the good news today. It's not, you're not even in charge of the harvest. Let the pressure come off of you today. And ask him to send more workers. John 3.30, he must increase, said John, and I must decrease. Remember, there was my, one of my favorite moments in the entire scripture is when the apostle Paul is talking to a group of people. I think it's in Galatians or Philippians or one of the Ippians. Um, and the Apostle Paul says, they're trying to pick sides. I'm with Paul. No, I'm with Barnabas. No, I follow Jesus. No, I'm this. And, and Paul said, wait a minute. Yeah, I, I might have watered or somebody else watered. I planted, but it's God who brings the increase. Friends, the reason you and I are not, and I'm going to preach tomorrow about wonder. It's my favorite thing to talk about on the entire planet. The reason you and I are reading about what we should be participating in is because we forget that it's God that brings the increase. If we need the credit, if we need the credit more than we need the spirit, we will miss out on a lot of what God wants to do. You could step into a Tuesday, it's Thursday, Turn up Thursday, but Tuesday, chapel, whenever other chapel, you could step into a, a moment in a classroom. And if you understand that it's him who brings the increase. <laughs> you know what I've learned? I preached on some of the coolest stages I never thought I would be on in my whole life. When they invite me up, I'm still confused sometimes myself. You want me to go up there? And every time I think I'll feel different after I'm done sharing the gospel or sharing the message the Lord put on my heart. And I feel the same. And I'm like, did that do anything for anyone? Did that help anyone? Honestly, preaching the gospel for real has just made me more insecure. <laughs> did I do a good job? Was that okay? You know why we ask those questions? Because we forget it's him who brings the increase. The goal of preaching the gospel should be for people to forget your name and for them to never stop screaming his. Oh, I'm praying and believing for you. Christians who don't need the credit. Maybe that's why God won't give you the dream that you keep praying for. Because he knows if he gave it to you, you take all the credit. Okay, I'm done. Workers. Not superstars. Not celebrities. Not icons. Dare I say it. Not even influencers. I'm an influencer. I know you are. You're amazing. But that's not what he's looking for. The eyes of the Lord roam to and from the earth looking for someone to show himself great through. Workers. That picture of that pastor is a picture I'll never forget. And in conjunction with that, I'll end with this. A picture of my pastor. I grew up in a small Pentecostal church in Philadelphia. It's grown now, but at the time it was small. 50 to 100 people. Our pastor showed up faithfully. Loving people, leading people. The church has exploded now to this day. But at that time, it was tiny. 
And I remember him preaching a message of this accord. Workers. We are workers for the kingdom. There is pleasure and joy, fulfillment and significance in working for Jesus. And he dedicated his whole life to a move of God in a city and didn't see the results for 25 years. Most of us get discouraged after 25 minutes, after 25 seconds. You're like, you got John 3.16 in your bio, but you pray one time, God doesn't answer. You're like, I don't know. Right? Man, workers. Okay. God, thank you for every student in this room today. Every leader. Holy Spirit, I pray just the last few moments, maybe the minute or two we have together, that you would touch our hearts in a supernatural way, that you would help us to get rid of our entitlement. It's one of the worst things that happened to the people of God. We feel entitled to things that belong to Christ. So we love you. Thankful for the students in this room that are obviously called, born of passion and the Holy Spirit. I pray that they would leave encouraged today, knowing today that they are a worker and that they're empowered by you, that you're the one that takes care of the results. Workers, not celebrities, not superstars, not icons. Workers. And if you call us to that, we'll do it too because we're workers. Jesus' name. Stand with me today. And maybe just lift your hands for just a moment. If you feel uncomfortable, I'm sorry. Lift your hands. (laughs) Holy Spirit, thank you for what you're doing in this place right now. We ask for the presence of Jesus to fill this place. The weirdest altar call you've probably ever heard today. You say, Pastor Peter, I've been entitled. Everything I talk to God about has to do with me advancing. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And Solomon writes, most of the good things that we do are not for God. They're to impress other people. <laughs> and you say, I've been entitled. Friend, if... If I'm being honest, maybe even just a couple days ago, I would have been here with you at this altar saying, Jesus, let me never forget that I'm a worker called by grace, that one day I'll stand in line to talk to you about the wonderful things you've done for me. And I'll be with there with people who I didn't know were getting into heaven, and I'll be there with people who I admired and they're in heaven, and I'm blown away by who you are. I realize that might not be many of us today, but I have to say, if you've, if you've been dealing with a privilege and entitlement, uh, selfishness in your prayer life or, or your walk with Christ, I just want to give you the opportunity to lay that down right now. Pick up your mantle as a worker again. I'm done. Literally two minutes. Here we go. I'm so sorry. Two minutes. So right now, I'm going to count to three. If that's you, you say, Pastor Reed, I'm just making a fresh commitment. Turning over my life in a moment of surrender. I'm already a follower of Jesus, but I'm just turning over Entitlement, privilege. I deserve this. Ooh, come on. How many of us have said that? I deserve. <laughs> it's all him. We're here as a result of him. Workers, workers, workers. Come on. One, two, three. Come to this altar so I can pray for you. Come on. Come on. I'm laying down my entitlement. Come on. I'm sorry for the time. I apologize. But let me just do this one moment right here. Come on. What better way? I'm just a worker, man. I just love Jesus. I'm not entitled. I don't need the best accommodations. You know, the Lord spoke to me and said, Peter, at one point you would just cry out for an opportunity and now you're worried about accommodations. 
at one point you were just excited to be in the room and now all of a sudden you need Fiji water. Hello. At one point you would preach for free and now you can't do it unless there's a zero at the end. Where have you gone wrong? Forgot I was a worker. I'm a worker. I'm a worker. Preached at a church that I wanted to preach at my entire life. Preached there last year. Felt awesome about it. Got into a lobby, into the lobby, and the person who was checking me in, broken and hurting. I walked right past them, got in the elevator. I was like, God, that was awesome. And the Lord said, go back down there. The most important, the reason I set you on this trip is not to preach on that stage, is to win this one woman. Workers. 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 God, I pray for every student at this altar and the ones who are too afraid to come. Remind them of your goodness and your mercy, your power and your spirit. Help them to be workers for the kingdom of God. You said the harvest is plentiful, but pray to the Lord who is in charge of this harvest and ask him to send more workers. Lord, I pray that you would do that here. I pray that out of North Central, God, that you would raise up sons and daughters of God, prophets and dignitaries diplomats and princes and kings and queens in the name of Jesus I pray that you would send them into every sphere of influence Lord and that they would remind themselves that they don't stand in conjunction to a title but into the call of workers those who will lay down their lives servants for the glory of God not entitled not privileged in Jesus name Amen